Welcome to The Pulpit, the sermon podcast of Calvary Moravian Church. My name is Pastor Chaz Snyder, and I hope you'll use this recording to grow deeper in God's Word and help you on your spiritual journey. Today's Old Testament reading is from Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 15, and chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. And the, and the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men stood in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them, and bowed himself to the earth, and said, My Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree, while I fetch a morsel of bread, that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah, and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant, who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk, and the calf which he had prepared, and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you in the spring, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were very old, advanced in age, and it had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of woman. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old, and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you in the spring, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, No, you you did laugh. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son, who was born to him, whom Sarah had bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would suckle children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The gospel lesson is from Matthew, chapter 9, verses 35 through chapter 10, verse 23. And Jesus went out to all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every infirmity. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every infirmity. The names of the twelve apostles are these. 
First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out, charging them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the home of Israel and preach as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Take no gold, nor silver, nor copper in your belts, no bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it, and stay with him until you depart. As you enter the house, salute it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace to re return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave the house or town. Truly I say to you, it shall be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear testimony before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you up, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will deliver a brother to death, and the father his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated for, for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one, the, one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Let us now go to God in quiet meditation and prayer. So let us join together in silence. God of all power and peace, just as Jesus sent his disciples out to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to gather the lost, to raise the dead, and to proclaim the nearness of your kingdom, so make us ready to go and share the good news that we have received. For God, we know that you are the God of the future, and our hope rests and abides in you. You showed mercy to Hagar and Ishmael in the desert, just as you answered Sarah's laughter with Isaac's birth. So God, we pray that you heal the divisions between all peoples of this earth today. We pray that the church of Jesus Christ will be so filled with the Holy Spirit, so committed to the head of the church, that we will have Christ's mind and thoughts among us. 
And God, may your word pierce our hearts and give us compassion for a suffering world. We pray for world leaders and diplomats that they may seek peace among the nations. Lord, we pray for doctors and medical professionals committed to the healing and hope of this world. May they be guided by the spirit who lifts up the brokenhearted. And God, we pray for teachers, school staff, and administrators and students. Give them rest and rejuvenation during this summer season. And God, we lift up those who are close to us on our hearts today. Family, friends, those in need of healing, whether of mind, body, soul, or spirit. We lift up the names that are drawn to our hearts today. And God, we pray for your promised kingdom that is yet to come, when all wars will cease, when there will be no disease, when courageous faith, hope, and love cast out all hatred and poverty. And God, we pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Savior and Redeemer. Amen. So when I was younger... I was not the most athletic kid in the world. I was never picked first for dodgeball at recess or really picked anywhere in the first half of people picked for dodgeball at recess. But despite this in-athletic ability that I held, I still played two years of baseball when I was about eight or nine years old. And I was on a ragtag rec league baseball team and we struggled pretty hard I mean, I played on a regular basis on this team, so that should tell you something about the quality of said rec league baseball team. But somehow, by luck or good fortune, we ended up playing for the championship of our league. And we, even though we did not end up winning, we probably had no business being there in the first place. But I remember our coach telling us how proud he was of this team that had come together that even though we were a bunch of meh and mediocre players at best, we ended up doing something pretty awesome together with a little bit of trust and a little bit of determination and perhaps also a little bit of luck. I mention this today because we're going to talk about the text from Genesis and from the Gospel of Matthew this morning because they share something unique in common together, I think. And I think it's important for us to think about today and this is the idea that a ragtag group of imperfect people can end up doing amazing things for God. In the Genesis story, we have Abraham and Sarah, which we talked a little bit about last week because Paul referenced them in the Romans text. And then in Matthew's, in the Gospel of Matthew, we have this story of the disciples being called by Jesus to go out into the world, to serve the world, to go into these places. And both of these stories feature people who might not be picked first to complete these tasks. So let's start with the Genesis story. So what we find in this story is that God has an interesting and funny way of doing things. 
If you are going to pick one single family out of all the families on the earth to be God's chosen family, the ones that are going to represent God in the world, like the ones who are going to be your presence on earth, you would think you would choose maybe two beautiful, young, wealthy, strong people living in maybe the most powerful nation or biggest city in the world. Well, that is not what God does at all. God chooses instead two elderly nomads who are beyond childbearing years. Truly are nobodies living in a tent, not even sure what their future is going to be or where they're going to live. And not only are they old and have no permanent home, they are also finding it very difficult to actually trust the promises of God. Because it was way back in Genesis 12 that God first called Abraham, or Abram as he was called then, and God promised him offspring. But years have gone by. Years and years have gone by and still no offspring. And this couple actually gets so impatient that in chapter 16, they may take matters into their own hands, which messes things up even more, which we'll talk more about that next week. But finally, in spite of their impatience, in spite of their age, in spite of their nomadic tent living, God shows up to reiterate his promise to Abraham and Sarah. And this story describes these three strangers who are mysteriously referred to as the Lord, and they come and bring a message to Abraham and Sarah, and they show them great hospitality. It's actually pretty funny when you hear the way that Abraham and Sarah were reacting over their guests. Abraham kind of mansplains to Sarah how to make bread, which I think is kind of interesting, which is obviously something she would have known how to do. But you can just imagine Abraham hovering over her in the kitchen saying, we need this bread to be ready. This has to be cooked just right. Can't you get this out to our guests? Uh, and what, once their guests have eaten, they relay this very specific message to Abraham and Sarah. And they say to them, this time next year, Sarah will have a son. And in that moment, Sarah bursts out laughing because of how unbelievable this promise is to her. Perhaps both in joy and disbelief is where her laughter comes from. And this exchange between her and the messenger, and it takes her to this place of laughter. And we end the story smiling at the goodness of God, realizing that God does fulfill this promise to Abraham and Sarah, that God brings life and joy to a family that seems to have lost hope, who they were promised something and years had gone by of nothing, but God still comes through for this ragtag family wandering through the desert. But what can we learn here? What we can see here is that God can enter into our families, into our griefs, into our hopelessness, and surprise us in unexpected ways with laughter and joy. We may not get the easy answers, or we may not get all that we wish for, but God comes to us nonetheless. And we don't have to be the perfect family, or we don't have to be the ones that have it all together. That's clear from the story of Abraham and Sarah. These weren't the most pristine, well-to-do family on earth that God has chosen. In fact, 
God seems to work more through the imperfect than the so-called perfect. That God seems to work more through the imperfect than the so-called perfect. So in this story, we learn that through these imperfections, through these ways that we don't maybe measure up the way we think we should, that is in those places and those moments that we can invite God into our lives, that perhaps God is most known through those moments of imperfection. And as for Abraham and Sarah, when they welcomed these strangers in that they did not know, that we too can invite the strangeness of life into our lives to receive what might be an unexpected blessing, something we did not intend or see before. But God's guidance through the imperfections and strange parts of life, we still arrive at what God has intended. So we have seen that God uses these imperfect vessels through Abraham and Sarah, and we'll continue to see that as we look at Abraham and Sarah's story through the coming weeks of the the lectionary. But we will also see these imperfect vessels in the gospel lesson as well. What we learn from the Gospel of Matthew is that right away, these crowds following Jesus, they are in great and desperate need. And their trouble is made explicit. The people are described as sheep without a shepherd, sort of wandering aimlessly in desperate need of some kind of hope and healing. They are in need of the comfort and care that Jesus provides for them. But Jesus then does something interesting in this moment when he sees this great need of the crowds. Being just one man, he can't reach every person. So he empowers his disciples. He empowers his misfit group of friends, and he empowers them to go out and to be this healing force for God. Jesus sees the plight of the people, and he is not numb to their needs, but rather he has a deep compassion for them. Jesus has this deep, deep compassion for each of us as well. And for, so this shepherd, this Jesus, this shepherd is consistent in his ministry of mercy and compassion. He moved by, he moves towards concrete action for how to, to how to help these crowds who are in need. And this compassionate response of Jesus is so critical because it is this compassion of Jesus that leads him to action, to do something, to seeing the needs of others and having a compassionate response to them. And that's part of our call to faithful action as well. You see, it's ironic because when Jesus tells the disciples to pray, for the, to pray that the Lord will send laborers into the harvest, they actually become the answer to their own prayer. They are the ones they are praying for. And this reminds us, too, that we may be the answer to our very own prayers. You see, the disciples are the ones that become the laborers in the harvest. They are the ones who go out. And they are called apostles. And that word literally means the ones who are sent out, the ones who go. And they are summoned by Jesus And they are given his authority to go and heal. And these are imperfect apostles. 
They include betrayers like Judas. They include zealots in their mix, tax collectors, those who would have not been equipped in any way up until this point to go out into the world. But the Lord of the harvest, as Jesus is called, empowers them and equips them for what is to be done. You see, the authority the disciples have is the authority of Jesus with them. Thus, Jesus is the one meeting the needs of the people through the disciples. So we see here that through our work in the world is how people come to know God and come to know Christ. See, God does not leave the church alone in our mission, but he equips the saints. He equips us for the ministry in the world. And what mission looks like will look different for every congregation and for every person based on the needs of every surrounding community. But what is clear is that these apostles, the church, is to be sent out, just like he does with his imperfect family, like Sarah Sarah and Abraham, like the disciples. We do not send ourselves out, but we go as the Lord of the harvest sends us on a mission. So what is this overall mission? that we imperfect vessels are meant to do. And this mission is rather simple, actually. It's the proclamation that the kingdom of heaven is near and in word and action. And part of that proclamation is that the kingdom of God is not made of perfect people, but imperfect ones. You see, the good news is about imperfect people doing the work of God, helping to heal a hurting world, helping to comfort an anxious people, helping those who have little knowledge of God come into greater knowledge. See, Jesus calls the disciples to a risky mission because of his compassion on on the crowds around him. The words alone are insufficient, but this mission does have visible signs, and that's God's presence among his people. And it's made real through concrete demonstrations of God's love and compassionate caring. Fundamentally, the gospel is free. Humans, we have no need to put a price on it, but these needs are met in the realm of God. And this good news, and this is truly good news, that God is with us, that Jesus shows compassion through our actions, and his compassion causes us to be sent out on a mission to serve those in need, to provide avenues to meeting these needs. And all of this is so that God's kingdom can be made closer to this earth. And all of us do this in our imperfect ways, are invited into that mission together. So may you realize that God uses your imperfections. May you circle together with other imperfect people to do the work of God. And may we all heed the call to compassion and care. Let us pray. God, you called Abraham and Sarah when it didn't make sense. You called the disciples that weren't necessarily ready to be called. But you equipped them. So equip us too. And help us to trust you and to not run from our failures but towards them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.